Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following sermon is by Dr. Danny Campbell, senior pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Sunday morning service. Additional information about the Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Dr. Danny for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, before I get into tonight's message, let me make one correction from last week's message. Last week, under there was a time when I was talking about some of the great women uh, who ministered for Christ, uh, served Christ in the early church in the New Testament days. And I mentioned uh, a lady, I described her as Phoebe, but it was really Lydia. It wasn't Phoebe, but Lydia, who was the businesswoman from Thyatira, who Paul met and won to Christ in Philippi. Uh, I could have mentioned Phoebe. Phoebe is actually mentioned in Romans chapter 16. And Phoebe uh, was a wonderful lady from the church in Centria that Paul had sent to Rome to help with a big offering that the churches were taken, taking for um, the uh, beleaguered saints back in Jerusalem. And so I wanted to make sure that you understood that uh, the great woman from uh, the book of Acts was Lydia, that was a Christian businesswoman uh, selling her dyed garments in, uh, or her dye in uh, Philippi, although she was from Thyatira. And uh, Phoebe was another lady from Romans 16. Okay, let's get into uh, tonight's message. So in the first century AD, Ephesus was a pagan city dominated by the temple of Artemis or Diana, one of the ancient Greek gods. The priests of the temple maintained a perpetual fire there in worship to false deities. Fire was, of course, a basic necessity of life for the people because it allowed for cooking, for cleansing, and warmth. If the fire went out in the home, the residents were in big trouble. The only solution was to go to the temple uh, with a ceramic bowl to get hot coals from the temple priests since they had a perpetual fire, one that was always going. The priests, of course, required a payment for tribute to appease the pagan gods and maintain the temple. The fire keepers of this ancient temple were ancient Ephesus equivalent of the power, water, sewer, and gas companies all rolled into one, and they were a monopoly. To get fire from another source, the priest taught, was an affront to the gods and risked their wrath. Archaeologists have unearthed how the Christians in Ephesus lived differently in that ancient city. When they noticed a home without fire, they would take hot coals to that family from their own fires in their own fire bowls. This simple act of love for their neighbors made a powerful statement. First, it provided life-saving fire to a person who may have been too poor to pay a tribute at the temple. Second, it deprived the pagan temple of an important means of financial support. Third, it proclaimed to the world that the Christians in Ephesus were not afraid of the pagan gods. That's three things. We could add in a fourth, of course, that it helped witness to a lost world with the love of Christ who gave himself for us, and so we give of what we have, sharing it with others, and that helps them know the God who gives. 
So those early Christian fire bearers were just acting out the love of Christ. They didn't know their actions would help speed the demise of the pagan temple system and lead to the rise of Christianity. And reflecting on that practice from back in Ephesus and the archaeologists letting us know what Christians did helps us as we continue to look at 1 Peter. Today, tonight, we continue in 1 Peter, seeing Peter call for all Christians to love and bless one another, their neighbors, their enemies, and the world. Love and bless one another in the church, our neighbors, our enemies, and everyone in the entire world. Warren Wearsby wrote, Peter wrote this letter to prepare Christians for a fire, fiery trial of persecution, yet his approach was optimistic and positive. Now, 1 Peter's got three main sections. Uh, the first was in chapters 1 and 2 through verse 12 of chapter 2. The believer's status, we are secure and set apart. Then from chapter 2, verse 11 to chapter 3, verse 12, the believer's roles and responsibilities to honor and love. And now we're ending one section and going into another. And this third section in 1 Peter through the end of the book is the believer's call amidst troubles to endure and thrive. Chapter 3, verse 8, notice there's some overlap between the second and third and all the way to the end of the book, chapter 5, verse 14. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Loving and blessing one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the call you have on our lives. Thank you for how the book of 1 Peter lays out the wonderful letter that Peter wrote to uh, Christians that he had ministered to and wanted to continue to encourage. Thank you for how the first part of the book talks about our status, that believers are secure in Christ and what Christ has done for us in the new birth, and we're set apart for God's purposes. We're uh, to apply the faith in every area of our lives. Thank you for what we saw in the second section, the believer's roles and responsibilities that we are to honor and to love in all of our relationships, all the different hats we wear. And then now as we start this new section, Lord, thank you for your call on our lives amidst troubles to endure and to thrive and to make a difference for you. Oh God, we pray that you'll bless the reading and study of your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, in verse 8, verse 8 starts with the word finally. It's the end of the second section of 1 Peter. His words about roles and responsibilities of citizens, of workers, and family. And so all of us are to be of one mind, he writes, uh, united. Whether we're married and single, whether we're husbands or wives, whether we're workers or bosses, whether we're citizens or governing officials, all of us. Again, Peter speaks words that bring all Christians together, regardless of their different earthly roles and responsibilities. The Venerable Bede, back in the 600s, I believe it was, uh, said, Peter has already taught that different persons, classes, and sexes must live together. Here, he exhorts them all to be united with one heart and mind in the cause of the faith of our Lord. 
And so we see first verse 8. All Christians are to cultivate loving feelings toward others. There's your fill in the blank. Verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Let's break that down. The words used here are words about lining up our feelings with our faith. So he first calls for compassion for one another. Uh, Compassion means to suffer with. The key word there is with. Peter wants them to bear each other's burdens. He had been the recipient of that kind of love from his fellow believers when he denied Christ. You might remember that Judas ran away from his fellow believers when he sinned. Peter ran to his fellow disciples when he sinned. Uh, They showed him sympathy. Uh, They had compassion for him. They suffered together. They suffered with him until they knew that Christ had risen from the dead. By the way, when you think about Judas and Peter, they both blew it. They both denied Christ when it mattered. But uh, the reason we know that Peter was with the Lord and Judas uh, never really knew the Lord, it was what came next. Judas did not go back to Christ. He did not go to the body of Christ. Uh, And so as an isolated person who was denying Christ, he also didn't go back to his fellow believers. But Peter, when he denied Christ, when he sinned, the next scene shows him with the believers. He went with them and they comforted him and and, and he was even as he was trying to figure things out, and they were too. And as soon as he could, he went back to Christ. So I like to tell people, the, re, the way you know that you're on track is uh, when you blow it, you go back to the body of Christ, you go back to Christ himself, and not away from him. He keeps drawing you back if you're truly his. Um, compassion. Then he calls for brotherly love. The word is the one we get Philadelphia from. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, uh, city is from the Delphia there, but the love is philio, uh, Philadelphia, put them together, you get brother love, so brotherly love. I love a St. Augustine quote written 1,600 years ago. St. Augustine was an African man, originally from Algeria, who went back to pastor in Algeria too after he got saved when he was in Milan, Italy. But uh, St. Augustine wrote, all of us who enjoy God are also enjoying each other in him. Isn't that great? Uh, You love God and what he's done in your life. Peter's been talking about that in the first couple chapters. And and, and, and so here he says, also be known for those having brotherly love. All of us who enjoy God are also enjoying each other in him, St. Augustine wrote. He calls for us to be tenderhearted with each other. You may have heard preachers talk about this word before. The ancients spoke of feeling something so deeply you feel it in your bowels, Tender bowed toward each other is kind of what it means there in the Greek language. But we uh, realize that we communicate the same thing by talking about have a heart, having a heart. Be tender hearted toward somebody. Maybe we come close when we speak of feeling something in the pit of our stomach. Love one another from there, Peter says, from the depths of your being. The same word was used of Jesus when he had compassion for people who were like sheep without a shepherd for the hungry, and for the sick. So that's the question for us. Do we love people like that? Do we, are we tenderhearted toward them like that? Does our, the love we receive from God overflow into our being concerned and loving toward others and, and tenderhearted, that having that, not just the action, but the feeling where we're, 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 we love them and we want what's best for them, even as we want what's best for ourselves. And we know as Christians 
The only place to find that is in Christ. He calls for everyone to be courteous. It's the word we get humble from. Now, why is humility needed to love one another? Because we often think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We often minimize uh, the sinner that we are and magnify the sinners that others are. And uh, we need humility to love one another. We overlook plenty in our own life, but remember every cross word spoken to us, every deed that had disrespected us. The word Peter uses could be the word level. If you think too much of yourself, level yourself by knowledge of creation and the cross. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. A humbled person will also not only give themselves a break because they're a sinner before a holy God who has received mercy and grace in Christ, but they know the same thing is true for other sinners that they spend time with. Uh, level yourself by knowledge of creation and the cross. All people, you included, and them and your friends included, are created in the image and likeness of God, so all have value. And all people are sinners at the foot of the cross. You, your friends, your enemies, all have a need we can't meet on our own, but that Jesus has met for us and those other people. Peter wants us to lower ourselves so we can help raise others up. Just as Jesus had lowered Peter so he could be used to raise others. Here's a quote from John Calvin about this. We know that it is the chief bond to preserve friendship when everyone thinks modestly and humbly of himself, as there is nothing on the other hand which produces more discord than we think when we think too highly of ourselves. Wisely then does Peter bid us to be humble-minded, lest pride and haughtiness should lead us to despise our neighbors. And we know how much God had humbled the great apostle Peter uh, by his own denying Christ. Uh, he uh, was uh, never again so proud and, and uh, thinking that he would succeed when others have failed. He knew the difference what makes you succeed in the Christian life is uh, your walk with Christ and his walk with us. Romans 12.3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. In Philippians 2.3, Paul wrote, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility of mind consider others as more important than yourselves. What important words to put after he had spoken of submission and honor like he has in the last passages. Oh, what would the church be like and the world be like if all Christians cultivated loving feelings toward others uh, and uh, loved others as they had been loved by Christ, extending the same forgiveness, the same mercy, the same grace that they've received to others. So let's be among those that do what Christ said, do what Peter taught, that we cultivate loving feelings toward others as it said here in verse 8. Be of one mind, be united in having compassion for one another, to be loving as brothers, tender-hearted, courteous, or humble. And then, so, all Christians are to cultivate loving feelings toward others. And then in verses 9 through 12, uh, Peter wants to challenge us that all Christians are to bless others with their words and their deeds. So, the way of the world is that when people do us wrong, we want to get them back. When people insult us, we want to insult them back. Many times professing Christians know they shouldn't do that, but they resist what Peter calls for here. Let's look again. Verse 9, he says, Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. 
knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And then he quotes some Old Testament passages here. He quotes from Psalm 34, and he says, He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and your ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, I want God to catch me doing right things for him, not wrong things. I want him to be for me, not against me, as I do his will and not evil. Um, so uh, don't resist what Peter calls for here. You know, we often avoid those who have hurt us, or we are uh, done with them forever. Um, we want mercy from others, but we don't extend it to others. And many times, looking on as a pastor, I say, yeah, I can understand why they just can't go there. That's the natural response after what's happened. But then I read passages like this, and I'm thankful for the many numbers of time I've seen God do the extraordinary. When people who would not have spoken to each other the rest of their lives have a moment from God, a God moment, that helps everyone get unstuck where forgiveness is offered, where forgiveness is received. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens, when you see uh, friendships restored, marriages restored, uh, people that may not, uh, there might be prudent reasons for them not to spend much time with each other in the future, at least uh, let go of the unforgiveness that's consuming them inside and uh, begin praying for the welfare of the other person rather than holding on to uh, that bitterness. Uh, my heart cries out for seeing more of those things. It's beautiful when it happens. I rejoice in every time I see uh, the parent-child relationship re restored, the child-parent relationship restored, the husband-wife relationship restored, the uh, Christian brothers and sisters relationships restored in the church, uh, and even beyond, you know, with those that you may not do business with again, but you at least let go of the, uh, the hurt. Uh, and the anger that you feel toward them. We can say it with one word from verse 9. It's the word contrary. So you might want to underline or circle on the contrary. But on the contrary, contrary to the national inc natural inclinations, they were called to bless those who had hurt them. And Peter's folks, as they, uh, you know, we read back in chapter 1, that he was writing to the pilgrims of the dispersion in the uh, cities around the Black Sea there. He was writing to the pilgrims that had been in Jerusalem and been cast out and were now up that way. And uh, they um, uh, probably held some bitterness in their heart at those who had been responsible for the dispersion. Um, we saw God do amazing things in the New Testament uh, in the relationship of Paul, who had been a persecutor with those he had formerly persecuted, dining with Philip, staying with Philip, uh, who, uh, of course, Paul had been partly responsible, if not majorly responsible, for the death of Stephen uh, that was on the first deacon board, deacon body, with um, uh, Philip. And yet, uh, relationships had been so restored that Paul had fellowship with the apostles and the deacons after so hurting the body of Christ by being partly or even more responsible for the death of Stephen in the uh, Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9 tell us about these things. Um, Acts chapter 6 is where deacons get going. But uh, contrary to their natural inclinations, they were called to bless those who had hurt them. 
And as we give a blessing where a curse seems more natural, we inherit a blessing both now and later. Uh, I think about the, how, how peace came to the early church as they forgave Paul and worked with Paul to spread the gospel. Well, the word blessing that Peter uses here in 1 Peter 3 means good words. We get the word eulogy from it. When we give a eulogy for somebody, we're speaking good words about them. And so here, uh, uh, Peter says, on the contrary, giving good words uh, that, about others that we may inherit a blessing ourselves. The word for blessing here is used over 400 times in the Greek Old Testament, usually in contrast to cursing someone. Instead of cursing someone, they were to bless someone. Just like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount is what Peter's calling for here. You might remember that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, love your enemies. <laughs> Bless those that curse you. They're speaking bad words over you. Speak good words toward them, hopeful words to them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you and pray for those that persecute you. Whew, my goodness. Um, <laughs> we can only do that through the power of Christ. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Tell you what, I'm a pastor for over 30 years now. I've been a Christian since uh, 1984, December 16th, 1984. And it's not easy for Pastor Danny when somebody has done me wrong to try to do them right. Uh, when somebody has run me down with their words to try to build them up with my words. Uh, but these words, thank Jesus, are ones that the Lord influences me with. Um, I'm to love my enemies. When somebody's cursed me, I'm to bless them. When somebody has acted hatefully toward me, to do good toward them instead. And when somebody's persecuted me, I mean, what persecution have I had compared to the early church martyrs or the current martyrs around the world? Uh, there's a persecution spectrum. I've often been mocked by people. I have been joked about by people. Uh, my reputation has been, um, you know, uh, slandered by people uh, and other things. And whenever that I've become aware of that or had hurts or that I've been threatened, you know, for being a pastor and doing the right thing. But in any bit of that persecution spectrum, I've tried to remember and go back. The Holy Spirit's tried to uh, remind me. He has reminded me. Then I've had to act on it to show love where hate's been shown toward me, uh, to love my enemies, to bless those that curse me, to do good to those that hate me, and pray for those that have persecuted me. In the context here, we're asking God to show his grace to those who have not graced us. We're called to forgive that person before God and extend it to them when they ask for it. And he says, for you were called in this that you may inherit a blessing. Well, golly, that takes me all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and the calling of Abraham, who's a father, who's the father of the faithful, whether Jew or Christian. Um, way back in that calling, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. So let me ask you a question here. Why was Abraham blessed? That's right. He was blessed to be a blessing. Well, let me ask you a question again. Why are you blessed? <laughs> That's right. You are blessed to be a blessing. So throughout the ages, whether it's the dispensation of the 
uh, Jews under the old covenant, whether it's the dispensation of the church age now and in ages to come, we have been blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed you in spite of yourself so that you could be a blessing to others in spite of themselves. And that certainly is true for me as well. Well, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10 as part of this. Hebrews chapter 10, where the author of Hebrews writes, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, uh, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, um, I hope when you come to church, I hope when you uh, gather with other believers, even when you only can do that in an online capacity, I hope you're considering how you can stir up love in that other person, how you can stir up good works in that other person, um, how you can exhort one another. In 2 Timothy, he tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, Timothy, be ready in season and out of season, convince folks, rebuke folks, exhort folks, and, um, and, and I just love that call that, that he was to be, they were to be faithful in preaching and teaching God's word, but convincing folks about the truths of the word, uh, rebuking where necessary, exhorting. And we want to exhort one another uh, too. We want to help them get from where they are to where God wants them to be. And we're thankful for the people that have helped us get from where we are to where God wants us to be and to consider those as we do that. So whether the person is already a friend, a fellow Christian, or whether the person is a potential person you can reach out to, your loving engagement with them and speaking good words to them and sometimes truthful words that sting a little bit will help in this whole process. I think about how Jesus himself had done this with Peter. I think about all the way back to the original encounter that Jesus had with Peter. Others saw Simon, uh, the son of Jonah, um, but Jesus saw not what Simon had been, but what he would become. And so in Jesus' one of his first interactions, he said, your name is Simon, but I call you Peter. Peter means rock. And if anybody had been around when Jesus called the wild man Simon Peter, uh, when they called Simon the rock uh, man, uh, I bet they might have spit their coffee out. <laughs> That's a good one, Jesus. Oh, wait, he's serious. Others had seen what Simon had been, but Jesus saw what Peter would become. Jesus saw those leadership abilities. He saw the uh, fiery determination that Peter had, how it needed to be directed toward godly ends. And so he saved Peter. He ministered to Peter. He taught Peter. He poured into Peter. And when the time came, Peter was, Simon was the rock of the early church. Uh, he had professed Christ and he preached Christ and along with the other disciples, it got going and it was powerful. As the gospel was shared, the church was built one disciple at a time. And uh, give, do what Jesus did for Simon as you interact with others. Give others the gift of seeing their potential if they truly repent. 
Uh, Dr. Bill Brown did that for me. My friend Doug Barr did that for me. Um, they saw not just what I had been, but what I could become. Uh, saw, Doug saw that I was looking for love in all the wrong places. He pointed me to Christ. He invited me to church. I heard about Christ's love and the truth to build a life upon, and I was saved. Bill Brown, Gary Phillips, some of my early professors at Bryan College, um, Dr. Richardson, his wife Sharon, Alan Winkler, uh, and older students like John Pierce, friends like Jim Wojcik there and Mark Hefner, they poured into me. They had the gift of seeing the potential that if I truly served Christ and followed him, what I could become. And I'm thankful that they did help me become the man that I have become. Uh, they blessed me rather than cursed me. Even at times when I couldn't bless myself, I couldn't believe in myself. They believed in what I could become through faith in Christ. Give others the gift of that. Peter says, on the contrary, but on the contrary, <laughs> instead of returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, give those that are have acted badly to you and revile you the gift of blessing. And um, boy, what a powerful gift that is. The way you are blessing will also entail discovering and using your spiritual gifts. We'll see more on that in coming in the coming chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, he says that when you do that, you may inherit a blessing. And he cites uh, Psalm 34 in verses 10 through 12. He says, do you want to love life and see good days? Well, <laughs> I sure do. How about you? I want to see, I want to love life and see good days. Well, the key is we need to give special attention to our words and deeds. That's another fill in the blank there. If we want to love life and see good days, we need to give special attention to our words and deeds. The psalmist says, keep your tongue from speaking evilly and deceitfully about others. So, you know, we get in a lot of unnecessary conflict, uh, both uh, in person and online, with gossip, slander, and lies. A lot of the trouble we get into in life is from running our mouth. <laughs> Boy, I sure have and do, and uh, God's made that better over the years, but man, I had a... Uh, a foolish, uh, I, I, I just, in many words, sin is unavoidable, the scripture says, and I sure modeled that early on in life. Um, a lot of the trouble we get into in life is from running our mouth or from foolish postings now on social media. media. It is a good thing to be more measured before you speak, to commit things to prayer before you open your mouth, uh, to um, uh, a gentle answer still turns away wrath. And we need to be that kind of person. There's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we need to act accordingly. Um, as James Wright, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. And uh, we know that the anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. And so we should have measured words so that we can be a blessing rather than a cursing to people. Now, let's not confuse that, though, with um, being loving. Let's not confuse being loving with not speaking the truth in love. We are to speak the truth in love. And so the Puritans, many of them were called soul doctors. They uh, knew to when they keep their mouth shut and listen, but they also knew when to open their mouth and speak words that would convince, rebuke, and exhort, and encourage others. Um, we are to speak the truth in love, and uh, we, we, there's no inherent virtue in being silent when uh, what really we need to do is speak. And, and, and the Holy Spirit helps us know when to be silent and when to speak. 
And when we speak the truth in love, quite frankly, uh, the truth we speak from the scriptures often hurts before it heals. Just like chemotherapy, chemotherapy and radiation will hurt someone before it will destroy the cancer. And everybody has the cancer of sin inside of them. And uh, God wants to do a work of radiation on some uh, besetting sins and a work of chemotherapy in general to humble us uh, about the sin nature that we all possess. We live in a day where merely speaking the truth at all is considered hate speech, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, And so it's out of season right now. (laughs) Uh, The words we give are not well received. And so with faithfulness and long-suffering, like 2, Peter, uh, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, we need to continue to preach the word. We need to share it. Um, and uh, I like what Matthew Henry said, To rail is to revile another in bitter, fierce, and reproachful terms. But for ministers to rebuke sharply and to preach earnestly against the sins of the times is not railing. All the prophets and apostles practiced us, practiced it. So we are to speak the truth and love. Uh, Now, here's some guidance for you as you seek to speak the truth and love. And I try, uh, this is just a pointer for you, what I'm trying to accomplish every time I speak, teach, or preach. I want three things to be present in every one of my messages. Love, truth, and hope. Um, I want the point of my message to be the point of the Bible passage I spoke from. Um, I want people to know they're loved. I want people to know the truth of the word. And I want them to have hope. Uh, The same hope that's meant so much to me in my life. That if they repent, if they change their mind about uh, what they're doing that's against God and instead turn to his truth and, 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 and turn to him for salvation and help with any situation they're in, Uh, that um, they too can be received, forgiven, and get back on track with God. Love, truth, and hope. I have had lots of people not like what I earnestly told them, but hopefully most of them didn't doubt my love for them. And over my years of ministry, many people, scores of people, if not hundreds of people, have come back and later told me, thanks for telling me not what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. And uh, that's the, the, you know, I'm, I'm glad they felt the love and they felt the concern, even if they disagreed in the moment. Many have later said, thanks for speaking the truth to me and doing it in love. I knew you loved me even when I didn't like what you were saying. So we're turn away from evil and do good. We're to seek peace and pursue it like the psalmist wrote about and Peter passes along too. God is watching what you do and he's listening to your prayers. But if you continue on in evil, God is against you, as he says there in verse 12. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Uh, Heschelus of Jerusalem, back in the 400s, said these remarkable words. The Lord will accept those who repent, but will punish those who remain in their sins. And so, you know, everybody's got their own thing going before the Lord, their own accountability that they'll have before Christ on the final day. Let's look at, uh, as we move toward closing here, let's look at Paul's words about not judging anything before the time from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Uh, 
He says that right after he says it's required of stewards that one be found faithful. And so I love the fact that um, Paul realized that he could fool people. Uh, in recent days, we've seen that Ravi Zacharias, who wrote so many good books and was such a great Christian philosopher, at least in, in words, uh, was a sexual deviant in practice and uh, acted inappropriately and, and, and sinfully with um, dozens of women, if not more. And, um, you know, I, I, his judgment is before God. Uh, but we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want our lifestyle to match our lips, and we know that God is watching, and we may get away with things all the way to the point of death even. We know of people getting caught and disgraced in ministry before death. Ravi Zacharias' name is now disgraced after death, as his board has admitted that their investigations have shown all these things are true, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. But we need to have the humility of Paul to know that one day we're going to stand before Christ's evaluation time and give an account. And so we cannot be braggadocious before men. Uh, we need to uh, repent before God, stay on track with him, confess any sin, get back on track with him, and go forth from there. And when we do, uh, we'll inherit a blessing. Um, and. Uh, God's word and God's people help us deal with the consequences of uh, getting on track when uh, the sin needs to be addressed now so it doesn't get judged uh, later uh, by the Lord. And for some people reveal that they never actually knew the Lord. Well, on the back of your notes, I've given you blessing and benedictions passages from the scriptures. And let me give you one that's at the end of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Tabernacle Today.